Welcome to the fifth episode of Your Time on the Run, the Hunted podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name's Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the lady who is disappointed that her personal best at not speaking to her families are only around six weeks, Michelle Pierce-Denneman. <laughs> oh, the things you think up. The things that you have said about your family off air, Michelle, I, c- I just can't repeat them. Oh my god, stop it! <laughs> You'll notice the lack of sound clips this week answers off, you know being with his real friends this week so it's just me and michelle yay very sad and he has already sent a message saying that he's very disappointed he's not on this week's podcast given how much of this week's podcast seemed to take place around his home area mm, i don't understand why he didn't see them at the time no because he was well aware of where some of these people were he was definitely aware that ish and nate were in nottingham for example mm. oh dear. and this is another fun episode I don't know how they managed to do it, but every week seems to be another great episode. Yeah, with a, a top and tail sort of thing happening, which is interesting. They haven't done that for a while. There was a lot of happiness at HQ. Yes, there rather was. It's the first time we've ever seen Sherlock smile, and I realised watching the episode he looks like the Joker. No, he doesn't. Have you seen the, the mock-up that I did earlier? Um, no. Of, of Sherlock? Of Sherlock as the Joker. No, I didn't. Wait, did you post it? I didn't see it. Yeah, I sent it on. I sent it on our Facebook chat, and I also sent it on. Oh, sent it around on Twitter as I was watching the episode. Really? Yeah. I didn't even see it. Oh my god, he's gonna hate you. He already does hate you. This is my penultimate episode attempt at trying to get him to actually pay attention to us. Well, he he probably does pay attention and just stays away and just ignores us. So previously, six people were left on the run. Loren had an aborted meeting in Derby with her sister and felt lost and lonely. And Matt hid in plain sight at Saunton Sands and his friend John was identified. And Matt ended the episode heading to John's to stay the night with the hunters just 12 minutes behind. Yeah, it's not good. And given that the entire previously on section just focused on two people and knowing going into this episode there was going to be two people caught, you can pretty much say goodbye to Matt and see you later to Loren. Yeah, that, that Matt capture was um quick that was pretty good very quick yeah (laughs) god he was so shocked he was shocked but he was wearing a gopro was he yes you could see the you could see the gopro quite clearly when nick opened the door but you could see like the harness on his back as he would as he got out of the car interesting so i'm wondering whether he kind of knew that the hunters were going to be nearby given that they were obviously going to need to get some sort of on foot footage if he was going to make a run for it. Mm, that's very interesting. But they ring John's wife and she gives him the all clear using a code on the phone. And Matt Scott is telling him once again that he's not in the clear, but sadly he doesn't listen to it this time. Sherlock says it's twitchy bum time. And I did laugh a lot at Sherlock speaking very quietly on FaceTime to Nick and Claire. Just in case they didn't have the, the volume turned down, as they probably would have, given that they're meant to be covert. They probably had the volume <laughs> turned down quite quite low, but Sherlock ended up whispering to them, which was rather amusing. <laughs> and the car pulls in, and Nick and Claire run to it, and Matt's time in the run is over. And that's it. What was that in the first two minutes? Yeah, something like that. And HQ have never been happier. Ever. I know. <laughs> they were... They were so giddy that they could get him. They were ecstatic. As wonderful as it would have been to see five foot two Nick have to chase Matt through a housing estate and he would probably have got away. 
I kind of like how he just went out going, yep, yeah, you got me, well done. Yeah, can't really say anything else. Yeah, someone who didn't say, yeah, well done, whatever, was Matt's wife, Lindsay. Yeah. Because she's been all over the Facebook groups, and on the subject of Mr. Williams from a few minutes ago, I do have a, a message from him to Lindsay basically saying, I don't think you realise that I was joking. <laughs> oh dear. He says, please make it clear that I think actual Matt Mason is a proper hero and character Matt got a tough edit. Not sure Lindsay realises this. Yeah. I mean, I saw the chat. Ant was being his sort of very tongue-in-cheek self, but it looks like Lindsay is accusing production of kind of rigging it against Matt a little bit. As much as I would love to think that they could just pick and choose who the winners are, they wouldn't do that to Matt. No. They brought Matt in to challenge the Hunters, evidently, and to raise awareness for his wonderful charity, which I do need to mention something about in a minute, because there was a little incident after we recorded last week, much to my irritation, given it came out about four hours after we finished recording, and I couldn't fit it in the podcast. He was obviously brought in to sort of draw attention to the wonderful work that he does, and to challenge the Hunters more than anything, and he definitely did that. They would not rig it against a Marine. No. They can't rig it anyway. No, even if they could rig it, they wouldn't, because the people involved in Hunted's production have a bit more sense and decorum in it. But also, they wouldn't rig it. What they would do is put a lot more resources into catching Matt, because they are scared out of their minds that Matt is going to win. Because Matt is the best prepared person we've ever seen on Hunted. Mm. Without a shadow of a doubt, Matt's career as a Marine would have set him up for success. So... The people in HQ knowing how scary it is to have a Marine running around the country hiding away from you are going to direct as much attention towards him as is physically possible. Yeah. For professional pride, if for no other reason, because Blex, above everything else, really doesn't want to be the Charlie Brown in this situation and keep losing. And spoilers, he's probably going to again. But Matt is the biggest chance of someone getting away this series, so they're going to direct as much attention from the ground hunters and from HQ to trying to break him. Straight up. Hmm. Lindsay sounds a bit bitter. As much as I really don't want to criticise anyone involved in Hunted, I think to come out of the experience being a bit bitter at production for catching Matt is the wrong way to take it. And I completely understand where she's coming from. If I was in a similar situation, I'd be really angry that he got caught. Of course. But I also wouldn't, I wouldn't take to social media to complain about it. So, Matt is magnanimous in de- defeat and tells Sherlock to get back to work after he gloats that a Royal Marine was uh, was nicked by a 5'2 lady. <laughs> to be fair, the 5'2 lady is the ground hunter with the best record for captures ever. But yes. what's that between friends? I haven't done the maths, but I think Nick is up to about seven or eight captures on her own now. Well... And Matt says that he feels he didn't do himself proud because he didn't win. Well, that's that's correct. I mean, because he's a Marine, he's got high expectations of himself. And yeah, if you don't win, I understand how he's feeling. But also, if you're going to do a show like this, if you don't win, yeah, you're going to be annoyed. But also, you take something from it. Yeah, he got he got a long way. But um, you know what Marines would feel like. They, I mean, they... They go for the best in everything all their lives. They want to be the best and and not not winning would uh, grate on his brain forever. I mean, I know it's rich coming from me who still has 
sleepless nights over the chase. But I think you've got to see the positives in shows like this because it's the only way you can go to bed at night. Well, if something positive comes from it, if if he goes on to do something because of it, then that's that's good too. And we mentioned a few weeks ago that Matt did set the world record as part of a team of rowing from Tenerife to the Bahamas, I think it was. He's doing it again from Brooklyn Bridge to Tower Bridge. And they were fundraising last weekend in a a supermarket and two of the Marines, including Matt Mason himself, ran out to the car park and tackled a shoplifter. Wow. <laughs> now I wouldn't I wouldn't normally mention this, but when I read the news article I went, Holy shit, I know that store. Because it was the Tesco Superstore in Berry, which used to be my local. <laughs> so I know that supermarket very well. <laughs> well look, if if nothing it might give him more publicity for the rowing and and the things that they do as a group, so um that would be good. And I do realise that I've just sort of revealed the rough area of the world that I live in. But talking of revealing the rough area of the world that I live in... People or hunters already know it, don't they? Yes, I have to have a little discussion about something else, and it's a real shame that Mr Williams isn't here for this. Well, listen to you. You sound like one of these teachers who's got their class and all of a sudden, right, I need to talk to you about something. Your tone changed. So, I released the episode at 10 to 12 UK time on Sunday (laughs) evening. I was off on Monday. I woke up to a message off Jenny, one of the hunters, saying, does this address mean anything to you? And it was my old home address. Love it. I am so annoyed at you guys. (laughs) Love it. I love it. I want want them to find your new address. There will be repercussions. I know exactly how she did it, because she got it off the electoral roll and the electoral roll hasn't updated for my new address yet. But, yeah, there will be repercussions. You don't know my new address either, because I moved. I moved last October. I don't know your new address, but I still know Mr Williams' address. <laughs> and it is still saved on my phone. So, I would advise you two to think very carefully about your choices on this podcast, because they will come back to bite you next time I have an opportunity. Oh, look, I would say the whole thing again. I wouldn't even think about it. I know you wouldn't. (laughs) There will be repercussions, Michelle, and you know it as well as I do. Um, I'm going to not open any suspicious packages in the mail that may be wet t-shirts. Oh, wet t-shirt? I wouldn't send you a wet t-shirt. I'd send you a turd. It's smaller. Jeez. Oh, there won't. Nothing will be opened that comes from you. I'll need an x-ray machine. I just love the idea of me somehow finding out your new address and then you just opening a parcel going, why is there a dry turd in here? Oh my gosh. You know what would be really funny? If one of the hunters could find out my new address. Now that would really amaze me. This is the challenge. I'm, I'm going to issue this challenge this week. Someone stalk Michelle, find out where she lives, please. That's funny. Jenny, do your Here's worst. Here's a starting point. I live in Sydney. There you go. <laughs> if you want, I can give her. I can give you her old address because I've still got that. Oh dear God! So, with one week left on the run, half of the fugitives are still active, which is a far cry from what we had last year. In that, it was four of them still active after two weeks on the run. Wow! 
So we get a little status update on everyone. Frank and Harry, not so much for the rest of the episode, but Frank and Harry are incredibly close. What was Harry trying to cut? Sorry, what was he cutting? <laughs> it was stinging nettles. Okay. So I thought that, and then I thought, what the hell? Like, seriously, if you're trying to cut stinging nettles, you need a glove. If you're trying to cut stinging nettles to get your brother, but you're using your hands or anything close to your arm, like, seriously? What? Oh, dear. Is it bad that I watched that scene and went, I'm not sure how high-pitched Michelle's going to go on this bit, but I think she might be a bit (laughs) (laughs) high-pitched. And what do you know? There you go. There you go. So according to Dr. Donna, Frank will want to crack on and Harry will want to entertain. And I always like to mention a bit of Dr. Donna, given your apoplectic hatred of her. Oh, she's fine. She's fine. She put her two bits in, she had to say. Stuff. And Ish and Nate are both creative and very clever. And they were in Huddersfield and going northbound, but have gone off the radar. And they say that Lorraine might still contact her mum. Dr. Donna can't believe that she won't meet up with her mum. And Blex wants to target social media with her. But she didn't get a poster. She didn't get anything. She didn't get anything public. This is big for you, I know, because you talked about it last week. Yeah, I, I don't understand how they did two poster campaigns and nobody saw it. It doesn't make sense. I can't help you. I don't know. If they did it on Twitter, they can't even location target that, given how inaccurate Twitter's location services are. Mm. <sighs> it's stupid. Frustration. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find it stupid. Yes. it could. No, it's alright. It doesn't affect me as much as it does you. <laughs> and she's in South Derbyshire. And she says the mental side is much harder than she anticipated. And it's three days after she tried to meet up with her sister. And she's not spoken to her mum in three weeks. And the previous record was never. What's happened to her sister? Why didn't she meet up with her? I don't think we're ever going to find out. Because this that was her downfall. Because then she had to meet her mum. Because she couldn't meet her sister, she had to meet her mum. And if you have to meet your mum, I mean, her mum can't leave. So it, she's going to get caught. And I don't know if, do you know when they have to meet up with somebody, does it have to be a family member or can it be like a best friend? I think it has to be a close relationship of some description. So she could have met up with her best friend and not gone home. I don't think it has to be a, a family member because that would then exclude them casting anyone who doesn't have any family in the country. Yeah. Let's say, hypothetically, if you got cast, you would basically have me, aunt, and then your brother. They would be the only three people they'd probably end up watching. And let's be brutally honest, I would shop you for £500. Especially after last week's antics. But you would not, because I would be in the same country as you. So seriously. (laughs) I'm trying to think if I know anyone else in England. Um, oh, yeah, I've got my half-sisters, my other brother. I'm trying to think. I don't know anyone on social media in England except you and Ed. Like, everyone I know is in America. <gasps> oh, no, there's another guy. There's another guy. So, But not, not a lot compared to if I had to do it in America. I think it would be very interesting if you did somehow manage to get cast. Purely because I would have hunters immediately knocking on my door as soon as he identified you. And tracking my car and monitoring my phone. But wouldn't it be gold if we actually got to do the meet-up and gave them the slip? Oh, my God. But also, if the hunters came knocking, it would be very entertaining, depending on who it is. 
I would demand a FaceTime with anyone in HQ first. <laughs> Here are my terms to tell you any information. I want you to get Sherlock on FaceTime, and I want to lie to him. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> and she says that she plans to sneak into her mum's house and hitches a lift down towards Essex. And she starts as a brand new BMW tyre, much to, I'm assuming, uh, Volvo, who sponsor the cars, and Honda, I want to say, who sponsor the ad brakes. Irritation. And she's now so worn down that she would get you pulled over, and she's illegal. She doesn't look that bad. No, she she was absolutely fine. I think if, if Loren didn't have to meet, a, meet her mum, which she obviously wanted to do rather than needed to do. Yes. I think Loren probably could have won. Yes. Definitely. But sadly, unlike you, she actually cares about her family, so... No, it's not that. It's thinking, do what's more important, meeting Sing Mum for two minutes or waiting a few more days and winning the money that can help your mother actually get out of the house. Seriously. I I love just pulling the pin and throwing a grenade at you. It was a few more days. You've done it this long. You could have waited. It's not, I know it's hard, but think about the long run of getting the money to help your mother. The question is whether her friend's boyfriend counts. Because he he would definitely count for the meeting someone you know 50 miles away from where they live rule. But it's whether he counts as a, like, close friend I don't think so. I think it would have to be his girlfriend, her best friend. Yeah. I'm not sure. It would be nice if someone could clarify that, but I'm not expecting them to. Mm. And Julie gets a uh, direct message on Twitter on June 28th, on which area direction a participant may be heading, as the guy who grasses her up has his grandparents meet Lorraine at the garden centre. And evidently his grandparents did not sign the release, because they were blurred. Yeah. But I did notice in the Twitter chat that Julie immediately offered him 500 quid if it led to the capture of Loren. Because he, he started off being really coy with her, like, what sort of remuneration would I get for any information? Because yeah. I'm going to need some guaranteed money to get any information out of me here. <laughs> Which was fun. And she gets off the bus in the town of Ticknell and enters a pub called The Staff of Life. And Leon from the pub offers his mum's back garden for Loren to pitch her tent in. And Leon's mum is a legend because she gives her a glass of wine and a bit of help towards Essex. Yeah. And then we are on to Ish and Nate. And Ish has an issue with self-confidence and social anxiety. And he went on the run with Nate to try and bring him out of his shell. And it's at this point that I just write in massive letters on my note, these guys are winning. Really? Yeah. Because they're the only ones so far where we didn't have a motivation for them to win. Mm. And the motivation to be there, we now actually have for them concretely, which is that Ish has a bit of a, an issue with self-confidence. It's the the Nick school, basically. This is the Cummings man. Mm. I was just more into them climbing that tree. I was just, my God, they just ran up that tree. And then, was it Nate? I think it was Nate said, um, give me your hand. I'm not going without you. That movie line. The bit of the tree scene that I loved more than anything was Ish trying to get himself down. Falling out of it, yeah. (laughs) Just falling like a sack of shit. It was so funny. Because we've not really seen anything of Ish and Nate. 
they've been kept quite well hidden, and I'm assuming that that's because HQ had nothing on them. But their storyline is obviously ramping up because there's less people. But it's also interesting to see that we finally get the motivation and maybe a reason why they win next week. Mm. And he says that his plan is to let Nate take the lead. And HQ are confused by his role in their partnership. So they send the lovely Paul and Jill to interrogate his sister. (laughs) That doesn't get them very far. Although if they'd watched his sister a little bit closer, they might have actually found him. Yes. But, I mean, she would have... She would have done the right things to go and see him, made sure she wasn't using her car and stuff like that. Hopefully. I mean, we don't know. And he wants to ring home as he had a bad dream about someone dying in the family. Three bad dreams? Well, it's three bad dreams, at least one of which is about someone dying. Yeah. God, what a bad night's sleep. And this is Ish and Nate's first bit of conflict, because Nate thinks that calling home is basically suicide, but because they're best friends... They just work out a plan that works for everyone. So we go back to Loren, who's in Utoxeter to meet Hugo, who will take her to Essex. And HQ get the sighting of her on the bus, on CCTV in Ticknell, and find the pub. And then the chef from the pub, who weirdly was just watching Leon talking, and evidently Loren didn't say, don't tell anyone anything, please. Why didn't he? I mean, he could have said, he he did say he didn't see her, or he didn't talk to her, but then he said that another workmate... Talked to her and called for her. Why did he have to say that? Do these people watch Hunted? Do they know who they're talking to? And maybe he doesn't watch it. But there's a cameraman there. So, like, why do they tell them stuff? I don't understand. I'm assuming there was some element of they probably offered him a bit of money for information. (sighs) There you go. Money talks. But also, if you're on the run... And you see someone just kind of loitering around your workmate. Maybe you either tell him to scram or get him involved in the plan. Yeah. That's certainly what I would do. Rather than just let him loiter and be an obvious liability coming coming soon. Because the fact of the matter is, in that scene, you can see his face. Which means he signed the release, which means he's probably going to be a part of the episode somewhere. Mm. Yeah. The great thing is, of course, that Leon's mum claims memory loss. Oh, <laughs> she's a star. Her. So many of the women that they talk to in these shows are just stars. They're really great people. She is a wonderful star, though. Oh, she's great. Even by hunted standards, she's a star. Because she, she's because she starts off going, "Oh, I've got memory loss," and then just goes to, "Well, even if I told you something, am I going to tell you the truth?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it also, if she saw them at the door, why did she hide her phone straight away? She should have hit her phone saying, oh, the phone's being repaired. Don't have a phone. Sorry. Sorry. The problem is that she probably signed a release of some sort to say, if the hunters come knocking, you are going to have to hand your phone over and you are potentially going to have to have it confiscated. Are you okay with that? Yeah, okay. So when you delete messages off your phone, there's obviously some sort of bank on there that doesn't delete. Like when you delete stuff on your computer, it goes to trash, you have to delete your trash. How do you delete the trash on your phone? I can answer this because I have a bit of experience, not in not in getting data back from phones, but... Hang on, why have you had to delete stuff off your phone, Michael? I haven't. This is memory cards on cameras. So because I'm big right. into my photography, obviously... 
cameras have memory cards, but they only have a certain amount of storage. And what they do is they don't... Even when you delete stuff off a memory card, it doesn't actually delete it. There's still kind of an echo of it. Oh. And then, as you basically take more and more photos, it could reuse that storage. Right. So, the best way to prove this is, on a normal camera, it will go up in in numbers. So you'll start with, like, photo 101 or whatever. And that will keep going up even if you delete photos in the middle. So if you deleted yeah. number 105, but you'd taken up to 109, it would do 110 next, it wouldn't go back to 105. Mm. So it doesn't overwrite that stuff until you've basically filled up the memory card and it goes back around. And it'll be the same with phones, because phones are basically flash memory in the same way. But then how can you de- can you delete it in any way? No, the only way to delete it is to overwrite it with something. So the hunters would always have access no matter what you did to your phone? Yeah. That's annoying. There are pieces of software that can put back together most things that are deleted off phones or any sort of flash memory. Wow. You're never, ever, ever safe with deleting stuff off a phone or anything that you use as a... Even if it's a built-in memory drive, you're never safe with it. Wow. It can always be recovered, which in some cases is great because if you have a a memory card issue, you can, in theory, restore it as long as you've not taken too many photos. But it also means in situations like this, yeah, you're screwed. You mm. might as well just leave the information on there because it's it's not going to take them long to find it. Yeah. So HQ find Hugo's phone details and have remote access to her phone, and they find a deleted message with the details of the rendezvous, and three hunter teams get dispatched. Three. Not, not, not content with two, want three out there. And this is a rare bit of actual chronological storytelling in this series, let's be honest, because it gets to the point where we have Nate in Nottingham-ish, somewhere nearby, we don't know where, and Loren, about five miles away. In fact, it's, it's less than an hour away, because Stephen did the maths. So you have Loren less than an hour away. And yet they put all of their attention into Loren. Why? Because they were already there. It's no use taking them off there. But also... With the greatest respect to Loren, and I love Loren, Ish and Nate have been off the grid for two weeks. This is potentially their only chance to catch Ish and Nate, even if they're making it super obvious. And it's obviously going to be a trap, there's going to be a twist to it of some description, but it's worth pulling a hunter team off just to investigate it. Yeah, they didn't need three, though. Maybe two. Because they ended up with five hunter teams on her. Five of the six hunter teams were directed... At Loren trying to catch her. That is crazy. I'd expect that for Matt, but not for Loren. It's overkill. That's what it is. It it's them obviously following up on a lead, and I understand why they did it. But you don't need ten different people trying to catch Loren, who stumbled at the first hurdle, bless her, and has been very good since. But she stumbled at the first hurdle. She's not infallible, and you have Ish and Nate, who completely and utterly disappeared for two weeks of the show, in real time. That mm. might be their only chance to catch Ish and Nate, or one of them as they eventually work out. So I don't understand why they didn't even direct any resources towards him. Hmm, I don't know. And we have a wonderful moment where Sherlock apologises for his language, because he was very sweary this episode. Oh my gosh, there were others as well though. It was more than just that. Not as much as him. I, I was warned that we basically need to call this episode Sherlock's Swearbox. Yeah, Sherlock actually apologised on, um, was it Twitter? I don't know where, I think it was Twitter, yes. I actually lost count of how many F-words he said, because it was a lot. 
Mm. And Hugo's car is spotted, and he parks right next to Jill and Paul, whilst waiting for Lorraine. Yes. Oh my god, and they're crouching down. I thought this is great. Uh, they haven't had to do a crouch down like that for any length of time before. That was good. But luckily, Loren has Matt-style instincts and changes the plan and tries to blag a list south from a different service station. She does love the service stations. The cameras at the service stations. She does love a service station, and I, I understand why she does it, because it's obviously a place where there's going to be a lot of cars, but also you're really exposing yourself. Like, really. You are asking for trouble. Mm, and when they don't, And when she doesn't turn up, I don't know who it was. I don't know who which hunter it was, but I, I wrote here, oh, wow, hunter swearing. <laughs> who was that? I don't know. They were all very angry that they, that they couldn't catch Oh, my catch God. Her. When she didn't turn up, he just went, oh. And, and the boyfriend's car doesn't have AMPR, and that pissed him off as well. Yeah, because it was the work van. Oh, my gosh. How angry could they get at different things? <laughs> They were just a very angry bunch today. They were either really angry or really happy. There was no in-between. And Nate says that he's worried about Ish not making it, and they devise a plan that Nate is going to draw the hunters to Nottingham and to allow Ish to meet up with his sister in Derby. They plan to reunite in Dudley. And their flatmate Drew, who we have come across before, will pose as Ish during the Instagram Live. Mm. Pity that he didn't pose as Ish all the way through Nottingham Square. Yeah. And at this point I go, it's very Io and Madu, this. Yes, isn't it? There are a lot of parallels to Io and Madu, which is weird. Yeah, they're similar. Hmm. And then Sherlock says that he's refusing to play around with these dickheads. He wants them to focus on Lorraine because her capture is happening at the same time. Mm. Ish meets up with his sister in the park and it doesn't last long, but he gets what he needs and ticks off the you've got to meet someone you know rule um question when there's a couple I, I just haven't thought about this before because they're separated now um do they both have to meet up with somebody or just one i think just one yeah i think it's only been one in the past but because they're split up i'm wondering if that changes then i don't think it would no i don't think it would i think it's one per pair basically mm. if they'd split up earlier Hmm. Say like the girls did last year. Would they then have to meet up with someone each? I would guess so. But I think because they split up in the process of doing their combined meeting up with a uh, loved one, Hmm. I don't think they both had to do it. Yeah. And Hugo does laps of the car park and then leaves, and the hunters are not best pleased. No. (laughs) But they do have another lead in Kieran's phone. And they spot the activity from an unknown number, which was Lorraine. And he makes the 230-mile round trip to pick her up. And that is what friends are for. Well, I'm sorry for the other guy who waited in the car park and nothing happened. And she says that she should have uh, got him to bring some ciders with him. Which I'm not sure is entirely legal for him to, you know, be chugging a strongbow as he's driving 230 miles. But whatever. Yes. And there's no ANPR hits on Karen's vehicle because it's his work van, but that doesn't take them long to find either. And Mark and Carl are perched at a junction of the M25, keeping an eye out for the van. And in our weekly come on watch, we do get a little come on from Danny. Just a come on. Tiny. It's quite unenthusiastic as always. 
And then Mark and Carl have eyes on the van, and Kieran spots the Volvo and speeds up. And in a last stand move, Loren vows to fight and hide in her estate. But HQ have already obviously scopes it out. Now it's a dead end. She gets out and runs. Julie's happy. And her time on the run is over. And everyone basically cries with happiness in HQ. I wouldn't bother running. You just go on. You just get out and stand with your hands up. <laughs> You'd be like, no, anything but this. Don't take me back to my children, please. <laughs> I'll do what you want. <laughs> and that was it. Two captures, one episode. That was it for Lurad. And now there's only 48 hours to go. But first we get Julie saying she's glad to see the back of Lorraine, which is a bit harsh. And unfortunately, your time in the run isn't even mentioned. So thanks for not giving us a shout out, guys. <laughs> and then Blex is a bit mean about her because he picks apart her flaws. And at least she gets to say hi to her mum before they ship her off. And I always thought they shipped them off back to, you know, their homes. But evidently they don't. Hmm. Unless she just got shoved in the van to do the interview and then just went around the block and went, yeah, I'm going back home now, bye. And then we move back to Ish and Nate, and Sherlock is suspicious of the amount of noise that they made in Nottingham. And Ish's sister Hafsa rings Drew, and Nate is worried that this will lead to them, and he's having second thoughts about meeting up with Ish in Dudley. And then HQ gets CCTV confirming that Drew was posing as Ish, and that they have split up. And Ish makes it to the meeting point, but he's alone uses his whistle to try and communicate with whoever's in the woods. But it isn't Nate, it's another one of his friends. Because Nate has chosen to be dropped off east of Birmingham, 14 miles from where Ish is hiding. Poor Ish. He's so sad. He's sitting in the middle of the pathway. There's grass there, but he's sitting in the middle of the dirt. Just waiting, basically, to get captured. Oh my gosh, he's so sad. But here's the thing. It's a better story thinking of it purely in in an editing point of view and a production point of view, it's a better story for him going, you know what, I can do this on my own, and then them potentially meeting up at the end. Whether they do is another story. Mm. Because with 48 hours left until the extraction point, four people are left on the run, and HQ wants to know where, where the extraction point is, and the remaining four will find out on this day where the extraction point is, and they need to ring a pre-recorded line to find out where the extraction point is. They get Basically no information, apart from the fact that they have to meet at 1pm in Birmingham City Centre. However, in accessing this message, HQ get their exact location. And fans of the previous two series that we've done will know my thoughts on this twist. This is my least favourite thing that they have started doing on Hunted. Yeah. Because what is the point of giving HQ their exact location, rather than just, you know... Making them work for it. As much as I moan about the people on social media, and there was a lot of them this week going, oh, this show is so fake. Why? Why would you do this and then perpetuate those myths? Yep. But, I mean, it gives them another chance to try and find them, but, yeah, it's hard. It's It, it just sort of nullifies the three weeks on their own. It does, and it's also worse for Ish and Nate, because they are the ones who are very close to the extraction point already. Given that we know where the extraction point is, it's the top of the Bullring Shopping Centre, on the top of the car park. There was quite a lot of publicity for it at the time. They claimed that they were filming a music video when the Bir- one of the Birmingham local papers actually asked about it. But no, they were not. At 1pm on that Sunday, there was a helicopter on top of the Shopping Centre car park in the Bullring. I know it well. Ant knows it well. And we've already seen a bit of footage from it, is all I'll say. 
okay, when Amazing Race was on here, the Australian version of Amazing Race, and we were trying to figure out, well, the fans were trying to figure out where it was going to start, or, or when the American version comes here and we're trying to figure out where they're going, a lot of people get on um, onto the internet and find out where there's any sort of strange sort of productions happening, where they've hired out a field or um, something out of the ordinary, and we sort of work out where they might be filming from that. Could the hunters... Possibly, I know England's a, a, quite a large place and there's lots of places to do things, but they could possibly trowel through tons of ITV and, and Channel 4 and, and anyone who could be putting up a fake production. Do you know what I'm trying to say? To try and figure out where the extraction point would be. Couldn't couldn't the hunters do that like us fans do in Australia for Amazing Race? What I will say, Michelle, is I've never been prouder of you. Because as soon as I heard that it was definitely in Birmingham a couple of weeks ago, I thought the exact same thing. I thought, at the time, we we kind of guessed that it might be that, but it hadn't been confirmed until about a week or two ago. And as soon as it was confirmed, I thought, is this an effort to get the Hunters a clean sweep? Because it was heavily publicised that there was going to be a helicopter landing on the roof of the Bullring Shopping Centre. Heavily publicised, which is why they came up with the lie of it being a music video. And the hunters know that it's going to be by air, train, or sea. Air, land, or sea. It isn't going to be sea because Toddington's not there for the civilian version. So it's going to be air or land. The fact of the matter is, it's going to be a hired-out train, if they're going to use a train. So... Let's be real, it's probably going to be the East Lanks Railway or something similar. There's not many of those sort of trains that can be hired out on a significant scale on Sunday. So realistically, it's going to be air. It's either going to be a private airfield or it's going to be a helicopter landing somewhere. And I would put money on you being able to find a helicopter filming schedule of some description. Mm. However, the fact that we got quite a vague description from the recorded message means that I think it is as big an advantage for the Hunters as it is for the Fugitives. Because that might be how the Fugitives find out where it is. Yeah. If the Fugitives were told on the message, look out for a news article saying, we're filming a music video here, then that might be how they do it. Because there were some very interesting scenes in the Next Time trailer. So, next time, the final chase begins. Where in Birmingham are they? Nate vaults some fences. Frank runs through a market. Nate sees a chopper. Frank runs... And someone hides from George. Now, one of those scenes in there was very interesting because it was Mr. Savage, Frank Savage to be precise, running away from the camera. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a theory from a clip that I'd seen in this series clip at the start of every episode of Frank looking very coy, looking behind him, running away from hunters. And at the time, when I released that episode, I... I assumed that they split up and he uses himself as a decoy, and I'm not gone off that. But at the time, it was pointed out to me a couple of days after I released that episode where that was. Because that is in the Bullring car park. <gasps> and I've kept it from you for a couple of weeks, Michelle, but me and Ant both knew this. This is in the Bullring car park. It matches the ramps of the Bullring car park. Oh my god, so the hunters are right there. This is the closest they've ever been. And we got it on another scene, 
this week in the Next Time trailer of Frank running away from the camera. I saw. And I happen to know that the bit where George says, come here, mate, is also from the Bullring car park. Oh my God, they're so close. Even if, even if he can get to the chopper, get to the chopper. Get to the chopper, get down. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even mean to do that. Even if he can get to the chopper, if the hunters can touch the chopper before it takes off, he's got no chance. Which is why I'm sticking with my theory that Frank is a decoy. And if, and, but if the chopper even is making that noise now when they're in the car park, we can't hear it actually. We can't hear it on that. So it's not going. I'm not sure what the rules are, whether hunters just have to touch the person before they get into the chopper to stop them being safe. Or whether they actually have to physically get to the chopper, open the door, and say, your time the run's over. But, mm. what I will say is this, being in the bullring, lends more credence to my theory of them splitting up and Frank being a decoy. Because I think, if Ish and Nate do both get caught, this means Frank and Harry are the last two left. If they find out they are the last two left... They win the same amount of money no matter whether one or both of them wins. Because obviously if one of them wins, they'll split the money 50-50. So I think Ish and Nate get caught, somehow, and Frank and Harry decide we're just going to split up for the last ten minutes. Frank, you are going to lure the hunters somewhere to distract them while I get to the chopper and I win the 100k for us. Jesus. Which would be an amazing ending. Yeah. I was having a quick chat with Stephen about this earlier as well, and he thinks Ish and Nate might do the same, which would be weird if it happened, because it's definitely more of a Frank and Harry thing to do. Mm. But it would certainly be an interesting ending to the series if we have just one winner, and we have a literal last-minute capture. Well, next week's going to be exciting, then. Especially as it looks like Nate was running through the markets of Birmingham, in some capacity. I don't know Birmingham well enough to know whether those markets are actually in the bullring, but I wouldn't put it past them. Mm. So it's interesting. Very. So what do you think is going to happen, now that I've given you my pie-in-the-sky theory? Um, I actually thought both teams would make it to the end, but whether they're two together or, or one singly, um, I don't know, but Obviously, with that footage being there, Frank's not making it. So uh, Harry hopefully will get on. And I think Nate and Ish still have a chance. I know you think they're getting caught, but I think they still have a chance. I wouldn't be shocked if they get caught, just as I wouldn't be shocked if they win. I can't see how Frank and Harry will split up if they aren't the last two. Mm. Because the motivations for splitting up would be, we're going to win the same amount of money regardless. Because if three people get to the chopper, they each win significantly less than if they just go for it as a pair. Yeah. They only win, what, 17 grand instead of 25 each. But if if one from each team gets on there, then they get half each, even if... And then they'll split them up anyway. Unless we have a an end of series thing like we did last time where Joe and Dan saw Bob and Alex and the fugitives get together and decide on a plan. Mm. That would be interesting. Because if they That'd all come great. together as a force somehow and say, look, we all want to win, but logically can we all win? That would be interesting. I'm not sure how much of that they would actually be able to show or want to show because it's a bit, you know, colludy. 
Yes, they wouldn't show it, but that would be so good. But it would be an interesting ending to the series. Yeah. And I'm not sure I'm not sure what Mr. Williams thinks is gonna happen, but frankly I don't care because he couldn't be bother turning up to see us, so <laughs> we'll find out next week. He did like the episode though. He did. He lamented the fact that he wasn't here for the one episode that actually he had local knowledge on. Could you imagine the sound clips? We may have had a lot of swearing. I'm glad he wasn't here. Didn't he warn us that there would have been a lot of sound clips if he was there? Hmm. I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> Yeah, it may have been a bit too interesting. So, thank you for listening to this Hunted Podcast. You can join the three of us next week for the finale. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our social account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, and Bear3333333 for Michelle. Also, if you're watching Vista Mall, we are covering that every Wednesday, and hopefully it'll be me and Logan this week. But with that, your time on the run is over. Hi! Ta-ra, love! <laughs> Oh, hello. Bye.